Uh, welcome to another episode of An Inquiry into Freedom with your hosts, Ron and Alan. Um, so I want to play something here for you, Ron. It uh, went viral. And uh, then I'll, I'll talk like, about I'll talk like about it. viral or <laughs> like like uh, COVID nineteen viral. Um, oh, so it doesn't really do anything at all. Well, no. So this is a song <laughs> I, you may have heard about it um, from a guy named Oliver Anthony. Oh yes, I have. Yeah, so I want to play a little bit of this, and then and then there's reasons behind it. We'll get to that in here in a minute. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. Just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men, Lord knows it all. Just wanna have total control, wanna know what you think, wanna know what you do, and they don't think you know, but I know that you do. I really hate to cut that off because it's a really good song. Um, yeah. And and it has a, a huge point to it. So during the, the recent GOP debate, this song was brought up. And uh, the GOP kind of took it under their wing as a yeah, this is a this is a Republican message. <laughs> so okay. Oliver Anthony did a interview recently and uh his response was <laughs> what's funny is that this song was written for the very people that were on that stage. And they don't even know it. Yeah. So that's that's what I have always talked about during our show. I've mentioned it numerous times about people who were in DC on January 6th that I talked to that were not only sick of Democrats, but they were sick of Republicans. And that's the problem with elitists. They they don't get it. And I think I think we're starting to see a possible movement happening to where uh, normal everyday people are like what you and I talk about continuously is that they none of them really give a crap about you um, and as much as we like Jim Jordan I think based on what's happened in the past two and a half years he's a walking uh, talking point which is what they all are. They're literally walking talking points that are do-nothing politicians that are doing exactly what this young man is singing about, which is taking advantage of every possible thing that they can. Now, the only reason I mentioned Jim Jordan is because 
they, the GOP, when they won the House, said they were going to take care of business. Well, in two and a half years, we've seen nothing. Heard a lot of talk. Uh, but there's no action. Um, I mean, it's, it's been brought up by the uh, National Archives. Congress wanted to know yeah. what documents they had with Biden using a pseudonym. There are 5,400 5, emails that they have found where he's used a pseudonym. So we don't have to rehash all the evidence that we've talked about in numerous weeks, but add that to the pile. And, and what, so what's going to happen? Um, let's just listen to this real quick. Something else. The Secret Service is paying $16,000 a month now to stage near Hunter Biden in Malibu. Who's paying for that? That's a question for the Secret Service. Okay. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art to pay for his $15,800 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that people are not going to be buying this art to gain favor with the president? That is a question for Hunter Biden and his representatives. It's, it's a I, I know. Of, I hear. Of I hear. I hear that one your of our got a job from the Biden administration. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear, quid I hear your quo? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. So, but we know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter Biden. If somebody is selling the appearance of access that to the is, White House, that, that is, is a question for the White House. No, that is that is your uh, your I don't know how you're perceiving that. Is my that. <laughs> testimony I, by Devin Archer. He said, "I am just not, Peter. I'm just not going to get into this. I'm just not." So, this testimony since the last time that I was in here, uh, Devin Archer talks about how he and Hunter Biden tried to profit off the Biden brand. What is the Biden brand? Not going to get into it from here. Stop having press conferences. Just stop. Well, yeah. What's the point? If you're not going to answer questions that people want to know the answer to, then just stop having press conferences and don't tell anybody anything. You're doing the same thing anyway. And this is the type of shit that people are tired of. This, this, you know, most transparent freaking administration in history that has no transparency. And whether or not our <laughs> yeah. vice president and his son uh, committed crimes and sold out our country and used their, their position of power to increase their, uh, their bottom line, well, we don't have the right to know that. And, and the hell we don't. Yeah, and the, the sad thing is, he was using a pseudonym, and I bet you he can't explain what a pseudonym is. Yeah, for sure. He probably doesn't even remember it. Yeah. Well, uh, from what I gather, there were three of them. I, I don't know. My internet is still down here. I mean, this is getting to be an old story now, but have you ever heard of Kinetic or Windstream? 
I don't Maybe. know if you have an antenna. Yeah. Well, this is a, a rural area one that operates off microwave towers and everything. And well, theoretical. Yeah. I mean, if you call the no service department, then they can explain <laughs> to you how it doesn't work better than I can. <laughs> right. But right. you know, the bottom line is it doesn't work. So um you know, someone in their tech division decided to do a, this big maintenance update and upgrade or whatever without telling us all. I mean, they didn't tell their customer base. So we all woke up one day, you know, nicely. It was only going to be like 100 degrees again for the 17,000th straight day. And so it wasn't really high on the priority list, but... Um, yeah, all of a sudden the internet doesn't work. And, you know, and that's basically how the world works anymore. So, you know, we, we can't get good internet here because all of our internet stuff, I guess, is it being used in Ukraine. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, yet again, yeah, we have another week going by here where I don't have internet. So that also means that I also have not seen any news. Yeah, you're kind of no idea, right? Yeah, exactly. And it is wonderful because, you know, I don't have to pay any attention to the morons in the world because I can't learn anything about them. And it's so nice. So, um, yeah, in a way, that's not a bad thing. Well, no, no, I'm not complaining at all. No, I just, I want to, I just want to thank. Fanatic wins by Windstream or Windstream by Fanatic or whatever the hell these people's name is. And thank them so much for the peace and quiet and for not providing service. I I never thought I would be so pleased with the no service service service, <laughs> no service department. So yeah, so here we are not being serviced by anything except like the farmers bull services, the cows. <laughs> yeah. Because they still want the money coming out of the account, all right, even though they're not doing service. I haven't quite figured out how that works. Anyway. Um, well, I'll be honest with you, just to put an exclamation point on that. I uh, had mentioned I don't spend a whole lot of time on social media anymore and don't have cable, and I'm a much happier person for that. I looked this morning on my phone and saw I had 96 notifications on Facebook. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I just don't go on there anymore. I just don't have any desire to. Yeah, I mean, occasionally if I'm if I'm doing something on my phone, you know, checking emails or or whatever, I'll see a notification come across. And if it's a family member or a friend that has something important for me to look at, I'll I'll possibly look at it. But a lot of times, I just ignore it. Um, mainly mainly because it just. It can really bring you down. Because if you go on there and you start looking at that, you're tempted to keep scrolling and reading and looking at other stuff. Yeah. And everything is just so negative anymore. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, yeah nothing, is, nothing is positive. I mean, you, you can find friends that post positive things and, you know, whatever. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, it's just not a happy place. <laughs> I don't want to. Sound, I don't want to sound like a puss, but um, yeah, the Earth is not a happy place right now. It really isn't. We have, we do have tech to thank for a lot of that, and it's it is unfortunate because Facebook had a lot of potential, 
And I think they would have been better off if they would have allowed the negative stuff to come on there instead of taking sides. I think it would have worked its way out long before, you know, it would have worked its way out by itself long before anyone needed to get involved because people can just, you know, self-select, you know, unfriend, silence, whatever. Um, but no, it, it's not that way. And, you know, Twitter did sort of the same thing. And, and we, we just live in a world where people feel like they need to decide what everyone else can or cannot say. And, you know, maybe it, maybe it's worth it just to have learned all of that. I do, I, I'm thankful that, that it's become so clear that the country really is screwed up. That it wasn't just a, a sense that I had. It was true. And to know just how little some people care even though they will swear to God and you to your face that they care, mm -hmm. to know that they don't care, uh, and uh, and I I like that song that uh, he uh, has out there. I guess he has quite a few of them, and it, it seems to me like this fellow is a uh, you know he's a new artist and he's genuine. Yeah, um, I like that. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see what, what else he comes up with. But, it, you know, I do like his message. And it, well, I, and listened, it is to, I listened to a, a few more of his songs, and there's another one that, uh, that I really like that, that kind of hits, hits along the same lines. Um, and it's called I Want to Go Home, where, where he sings about, you know, the, the things going on and... Uh, that he's never really, that things are so bad, and, and the meaning of I want to go home is he wants to, he wants to go to heaven. It's time. Um, because his, his place on earth is not a happy place, <laughs> uh, yeah. ironically. And so, I mean, it's a, it, that's another song that I think everybody should check out. Um, it's got... It, and, and the thing about it is for me, though, going back to uh, Richmond, north of Richmond, is that I, I hope that people, like I said, I think there might be a movement towards that. And him saying in his interview, hey, this, this wasn't along any party lines at all. It was for all of them, including the very people that were talking about the song on stage during the debate. It was written about them, too. And I yeah. made it for them too. That these people are, how many times have we said they are not representing the people? They're enriching themselves. They're, I think a lot of this back and forth is, is made up. I think a lot of the, uh, oh, we're going to impeach and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and then in the meantime, after hours, it's a whole different conversation. Like how do we know how do we know that there aren't negotiations going on right now that there aren't articles of impeachment drawn up against Joe Biden for some of the charges to be dropped against Donald Trump? We don't know that. We don't know if there's any backroom deals like that. We know that these backroom deals occur, but we don't know what's what they're about. 
And I'm not uh, trying to, you know, make up some sort of conspiracy here. I'm just saying that these people will do that kind of stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. when yeah. when when um, when they were trying to get the uh, it was either the omnibus or the the uh, Reda Re uh, Inflation Reduction Act passed, and Joe Manchin was was one of the guys that was like, "I'm not voting for that." They're meeting with him privately. Mm -hmm. What are they offering him? What what are the what are the the benefits that he's going to get? Oh, we won't have. We'll make sure yeah. nobody primaries against you. Uh, you know, we'll put you on this committee or that committee, or I don't know. Maybe they offer him money. Well, there was this pipeline that he wanted, which is what he ended up settling. So there you go. That so yeah. so it's not a conspiracy. It, it's what they oh, actually. No. It's, yeah, it's. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that that we have some receipts along with what I'm saying. And that's not a conspiracy. I mean, he, he got what he wanted. They, they basically bought his vote. They bribed him. He bribed them, and they said, okay, yeah, uh, I guess that's not a bad bribe. We'll go ahead and give you what you want. And he, and he voted for it. So these, these types of things are happening all the time. When... <laughs> We get into uh, our lives and how the government negatively affects our lives, and we're not in a happy place. So far, in two years, in two years, the Biden administration has spent $5 trillion. $5 trillion in two years. So if you keep up that kind of spending, that's $10 trillion total in four years, if, if they were to spend the same amount of money all four years. The crazy thing is, is the GDP in this country, uh, and this is uh, two, 2023, $20 trillion. And then if you look at how much is collected in taxes every year, um, I could only find uh, tax year 2018, and I don't know why. But only, wow, but really? only yeah, I couldn't find anything uh, recent. But let's just say it's pretty average from, from 2018 to 2020, whatever. There's not a huge well, difference in two years, really. Well, except, you know, the whole COVID thing put a lot of people out of work. And the $700 checks they got wasn't quite the same as they would have gotten if they were working. Right. So, so 2018 uh, that, would be a good number to use then. Or, well, or 19. Was, yeah, I would say that was probably a good uh, floating average. Right. Yeah. And I would expect it to be down from that in uh, 2020, 2021. Right. I could be wrong, but. Well, anyway, that, uh, for 2018, 
uh, was $4.8 trillion. So you have $32 trillion in debt, 20 average, $20 trillion being spent, and you're only taking in $5 trillion, yeah. roughly. As, as an economics major, where does that math make any sense as to how we aren't headed for a really bad time? If it's not a happy place, it's going to... I mean, if it's an unhappy place already, it's going to be like hell on earth. Well, see, that's what that's the real thing that's going on that people don't know about is the crash of the dollar. Um, because unless there's a, a resistance against it, we're heading for a digital currency because the the dollar system that we have is bankrupt. So, so by the way, I want to throw this in there real quick before you go any further. I, I want to make this clear. So the federal government of that number, the federal government took in 3.33 trillion in total tax revenue in 2018. State governments collected 1.04 trillion and local governments collected 0.44 trillion. So all together, that's not what the federal government took in. That's that's local, state, and federal all combined was four point eight trillion. So they only took in three point three trillion. So that makes that number even worse. Yeah, they took in three point eight trillion in in taxes. Three point three trillion in federal tax. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they spent five trillion. Correct. In in two yeah. years under the Biden's administration, under the Biden administration, yeah. So they're at a they're at a two trillion nearly, dollar deficit, nearly two trillion yeah. a year. And how does that and how does that translate into Bidenomics is working? And um, I reduced the deficit. It, it it makes no sense, and people need to understand. So go ahead with your point. I just wanted to point okay. those little things out. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a lie. Um, that's the whole thing, is that, you know, Uncle Joe is lying. Um, he's going to, I guess, use the excuse that he's got old-timers or whatever. But um, Now, the bottom line is, is that uh, what we have now is, is not sustainable. Um, the fundamentals to how our economy uh, is operating. Notice how I didn't say that it's working. That the fundamentals of our, how our economy is operating is not workable. It's not functional. It's dysfunctional. And uh, it can't support itself. Mm. And uh, the things that have been done in the last few years, that basically last 20 years, uh, to undermine uh, how our economy did work are possibly irreversible. Um, and the, the people who would know and understand are retiring or retired. So we basically have a new economy that has no 
functional fundamentals. So this is like someone who, um, well, we've talked about golf before. Golf's kind of boring to most people, but I think it's interesting because there's basically five fundamentals to the golf swing. If you do those five things, you can play decent golf. If you do them, uh, uh, you know, learn them, practice them, work on them, you can get out there and there's no reason you can't at least break 90. Yeah. Which is better than most people who play the game. Just by doing those five things. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be that proficient at it or anything, but you just have to do those things. Just repeat them and, you know. So that's basically how everything is. Everything has certain fundamentals, whether it's playing football, uh, writing a letter, writing a memo, um, teaching someone how to read and write, to do math, whatever. Everything has certain fundamentals. And that if you know what those are as a teacher and you teach them to your students, they can at least become somewhat proficient. In other words, there's no excuse for people graduating from high school who cannot read, write, or do math. Now, there's something very dysfunctional with the education system in our country. If the fundamentals, the, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, cannot be done by the people who are graduating, that, that, that cannot happen in a functioning education system. And yet it's happening all over the country. I, I wish I knew just how badly, how bad it is. But well, I, I mean, think I think I heard something recently that uh, seventh graders are at a third grade reading and writing level. Yeah, isn't that something? Uh, maybe even worse than that. Um, yeah, that that is... I mean, uh, I had mentioned to you that my son couldn't read a card he got, you know, because it was in cursive. Yeah. And his handwriting is horrible. Now, he, yeah. he, he writes, but, like, when I was a kid, you know, in, in elementary school or, or even kindergarten, you would have to, tr you know, trace the letter on a piece. You know, they'd hand you a, work, a worksheet, and you would learn how to trace the letter. I mean, you know, so you could, you know, have good penmanship. Now, I don't have yeah. the greatest penmanship, um, a lot, a lot of it's due to the fact that my hands shake, but I mean, well, I've had a lot of people quit drinking. So <laughs> I, I don't have the DTs no. Uh, but I mean, a lot of people have said, Hey, you've got really nice handwriting. And I'm like, really? I mean, I think it's horrible, but they're like, no, I mean, and I'm a, a stickler on spelling things. I just OCD about that. And, um, in my previous employment, when I was a, a upper in upper management, they would always send things to me to proofread them and check the spelling and stuff because I would always critique people's emails and you know all that stuff. And they knew that I was just very particular about those those type of things. But that's how I was taught. You know, in my day, we were taught you know how to how to you're, spell. And, you're bringing back memories of me as a boss. Yeah, well, that's who sent me that stuff. Was my boss. I mean, I only, had well, two, I only had two people above me in, in the whole entire company. Yeah. Well, see, 
I had my company or companies, and I would have someone wanting me to proofread something before they sent it out. And I'd say, oh, I get to use the red pen of death. <laughs> and they would just shudder because I would, I would mark up paperwork with a red pen. Hmm. You know, a felt to pen that I could uh, I'd have them print it off. I'm like, okay, here we go. Do you get a smiley face or a frowny face? Well, I mean, so, if you're, if you're yeah. sending a business email to another business person, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want it's to look like, like a fool. That's right. So that's what they're they're coming at when they're asking me to do something, yeah. and yet I'm going to make it so painful that it, they're going to put their time in so that there there's going to be a letter miss you know, uh, something misused, a misspelling, whatever, fine. It's circled SP for spelling and, hey, good job. This one thing on there and you can send it out. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. You know, that's what everyone wants to hear. That's what I want to hear. Proof me. Make sure I didn't screw up before I send this out. That's why almost all the time I write an email and then I leave it in drafts. And then I proof it after I've had a time to work on some other things before it goes out. Because, you know, it, it keeps your mind sharper. If you just re, reread it and then hit send, then that's when you send out things that have uh, the word the twice in a sentence right after each other. Or, yeah. you know, you've got an extra M in there or whatever. I don't so, know how many emails that I have. I have probably deleted or or not sent more emails than I ever sent. Um, because what I learned in, in college for business is that you have to be careful how you write an email. Yeah. Because you're, you, when you read an email... A lot of times you may read it in the mood that you're in. Yeah. Or or out of context and you will take that personally. And yeah. and when you read an email the the last thing you should do is read it as a personal as a personal uh um conversation. You should read it objectively because a lot of people may look at something and go, "Man, I just got my ass chewed." When that wasn't the case. Well, and, and especially there were, if it's, you know, you and I both are pretty bottom line people. And it's like, if you ask me a question, you're going to get an answer. And it's going to be usually, if it's a business thing, it's going to be very blunt. And it's not intended to be offensive. It's like, yeah, that sucks. Right. Or, you know, whatever. So I have to watch it because. Well, I was I'm, the same. I'm really sarcastic, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So I can write something that sounds like, oh my God, I like you're saying, I just got my ass chewed. And yet, I don't mean it that way at all. If, if, we're, if you're standing in front of me in the office, you're going to take it completely yeah. different. Uh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but by writing, it's like, uh, you're exactly right. You, you just have to be careful. And I have to admit, I, I probably wasn't careful enough 
but it certainly made people careful about what they sent me. You know, I didn't get nonsense emails. I didn't get nonsense phone calls about, hey, I just thought I'd call and check in with you. How's it going? <laughs> uh, I'm working. I wish I could what say that, that. What the hell do you want? Yeah. You know, you know, I didn't get those calls because, boy, I was not a very easy person to talk to if you did that. No, and that's a good thing because I, I actually allowed that to happen. And so it was really hard to break the habit. So, for example, I would have, you know, store managers. Hey, my printer's not working. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm out of, yeah. I'm out of receipt paper in my credit card machine. Okay, I'm, I'm like an hour and a half away. You want me to stop what I'm doing, run to, you know, Office Max and get you some receipt paper? Well, but we have an account that we're supposed to use, you know, a, a corporate account. Because, you know, that's how we did things. Like, we had a Staples corporate account, and you ordered paper and pens and paper clips and everything. You know, we had our own account. And I said, well, you're, you're kind of in a, a situation here. You, you can't do business without a printer. You can't give out receipts without receipt paper. What do you think you should do? I'm not going to give you the answer. What do you think you should do? Uh, maybe go to Walmart and, and buy some. All right, so what are you calling me for? You know exactly what you should do. Petty cash it and get what you need to, to conduct business. Mm -hmm. And that happened for a long period of time. And, and finally, um, I, I was spending more time on the phone than I was doing my job. And I tried and I tried and I tried to break that habit. And finally, my boss said, look, um, you're just going to have, just send an email to everybody. And they have two times a day that they can call you. Like between 11 and 12 and then, you know, five and six. Three days a week. Other than that, unless their store is on fire or somebody's hurt or something, you know, really. You Mine know. was, is someone bleeding? Yeah. Well, that's, what, yeah, that's basically what she said. That's the, that's the only other time that they're allowed to call you. And I did that. And boy, they didn't like that because then they had to think for themselves. Yeah. And they had to make decisions. I'm like, you're a manager of a store. Yeah. We pay you to make decisions. So if you mess up, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. There's nothing you can do that I can't fix. That's why I'm in the position I'm in. So if you make a, a, an error in the computer or whatever, I can go in there and fix it. We want you to make mistakes because that's really the only way you learn. But if you call me for every little thing and I, I spoon-feed you every day, you're not going to learn anything. Yeah. So anyway, uh, go ahead. <coughs> you were talking, about, talking you, about basically the same thing, you know, your emails and stuff. No, but what, what was I making a point about? What were we talking about? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, we were talking about, you know, reading emails out of context and... Uh, yeah, but that that's all a sidebar. We're, yeah. we're talking about education system and that sort of thing. Well, the original the original thing was, uh, you know, the government spending and okay. GDP and tax revenue. Okay, so the the government is spending way more money than it's taking in, and instead of getting a handle on it and stopping or reducing it, they're actually making it worse. And they don't follow a budget anymore. There's no longer any spending bills that go through Congress. It's just always one big omnibus bill. And it's just the spending bill. It has nothing to do with the budget. They haven't passed a budget since uh, a budget has not passed Congress and signed by the president since George Bush. Yeah, no, they keep doing these omnibus uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's completely irresponsible. I mean, um, they're responsible for passing a budget and they're completely avoiding responsibility. I mean, there's a whole psychological work that you could do about that whole dynamic that probably be an interesting topic. Um, but the bottom line is, is that our spending is so out of control now and the dollar is not worth anything. This whole business about, oh, inflation is just so bad, blah, blah, blah. Oh no, it's only 3%. Okay, so the cost of food- But we know that's not the real number anyway. Well, yeah, cost of food has gone up 15% in the last year. And that's why so many more people are now on food stamps than they were a year ago. So if the price of food has gone up 15%, how is inflation 3%? Well, it's so as so, a small business owner, uh, and I hate to interrupt again, but, but I want to throw another example out there. Everything that I have bought since I opened my company has gone up at least 50%. Now, there are some other things that have gone up, you know, 10 or 12. Uh, some things have gone up even more. So, again, what's the real number? Because 10, 12, and 50% does not mean 3%. Right. There's nothing that I buy that's, that's any, it's not any cheaper than it was two years ago. It's either the same or it's gone up. So you can't sit you can't convince me in a speech or a press conference that inflation has gone down when I'm spending real dollars on real things. Yeah. yeah and none it of is. it is none of it is three percent higher. I mean, I, I think groceries have gone up a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and I am the world's worst shopper. Uh not just for, for groceries, but everything i'm a terrible shopper uh, i don't go shopping to begin with i go to buy something and if i go to a western store looking for boots i'm there to buy boots mm-hmm. i'm not there to look at oh yeah i don't do that either. yeah i can't stand that i, I yeah women I can't are, do it. women are yeah. the worst i mean if i used when i was a kid i'd go to the mall with my mom and she spent two hours in a store and never come out with a thing I'm like, oh, I, don't yeah. know how, I don't know how you can do that. 
I mean, if I don't have the money to buy something, I'm certainly not going to go look look at it. You know, I'm just going to buy what I came to buy. And other than that, I'm yeah, out. That's what that's what I call a waste of time. <laughs> I'm not and meandering yet, around looking at stuff. I, yeah, that's just. Uh, but I get it. There, we're all different. We're all wired differently. Yeah, for sure. And you know, some people process things that way, and that's fine. I will do that when I'm thinking about, you know, a project. I, I'm designing a uh, driveway. Uh, an entry to the home or I'm uh, working on a canopy for the entrance to a hotel building or whatever, you know, something that requires a little creativity and some thought because it's got to fill more than one need. And it's got to have a budget, obviously, and all of that kind of crap. So I'll look at a lot of things and I'm, I'm just looking. Thanks. You know, and I might dedicate uh, 20 minutes a day to do work on that. And then it sets aside and I don't look at it again until tomorrow. You know, um, but that's how I function on certain things. Very few things. But something that I know has to be thought through well. And I don't have a clue what I'm after. And yet I will be very finicky about it when it's over and kick my own ass all over town if I do something and I don't like it. Yeah. You know, and I drive by some other building and I see something and I'm like, why the hell didn't I think of that? You know? So I will think through everything. Well, but that's very rare for me. But there are people who do that with like with clothing. And women do tend to do that more than men do. Women are, they're, they're, they need multiple outfits, usually for work. Men need a few suits. Mm-hmm. You know, we need various colors of shirts and ties or whatever. Of course, no one wears suits anymore at work. But, um, but that, in my example... A woman needs to spend way more time at a clothing store than a man does in my day looking for clothing to wear to work because they simply can't wear the same suit every day and just change a blouse or whatever. You know, right. they've got to have shoes. You know, I, I completely get it. So um, it's just that. Oh yeah, I, I can't listen, go shopping. Yeah, I, I, I can't have, go I have, to the I can't go to the to the Western store with a woman who is looking for something to wear to the rodeo this weekend because <laughs> you know she might be there in the entire week yeah. doing it and require my you know it's like I have to go to the, the Ace Hardware to find out uh, you know several things that I need to fix a door or whatever. Well, that's the same way she is with picking out something to wear to the rodeo. I don't don't ask me to go. Yeah, I have like four feet of a walk-in closet of my stuff. The rest is my wife's. I mean, I, I literally, oh. you know, I just don't have, I'm not allowed to have. Well, not only not am I not allowed, I just don't, I don't have that much stuff. Well, I'm, I hate to admit it, but I'm worse than Imelda Marcos. I have... 
you know, dozens of suits, dozens of cowboy boots, dozens of golf shoes, and I don't even play golf anymore. Yeah, my sister's yeah. that way. Yeah, so... I mean, I, mean, I, I go and visit her, and I'm everything. like, how many pairs of damn boots do you need? Yeah, no. You know, you got like 30 pair or, or more. Well, I mean, you know, I, each one goes with different stuff. I'm like, God. Yeah, I must have a dozen spurs. I, I haven't ridden in 20 years. I always wore the same spurs all the time, every time. Whenever I did need spurs, and I rarely rode and wore spurs. I just, I'm not that sort of a horseman. I don't. I was taught, my grandfather taught me how to ride, and he said, you know, I, I probably already told you this, but at any rate, when I'm a little kid, I had this horse. I'm like eight years old, and I moved from a pony to uh, a really nice saddlebred, and I wanted to wear spurs, and he wouldn't let me. And, and I was like, you know, watching the John Wayne movies and all that stuff. And I wanted to have a, some spurs to wear so I could be a real cowboy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he's like, no. No, uh, real horsemen, they don't wear spurs. So. Yeah, no, if, that's for if rodeo. You, if you know, yeah, if you know how to ride, you don't need spurs. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing. I mean. I always wanted a set of spurs when I was young and you know my dad bought me a set but he said you're, you're not going to wear them to ride you don't need them and I mean I don't know if I ever told you this but we had a hundred horses when I was a kid oh wow yeah well, so you know we uh so our our stud that we had was the great 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 grandson of Wimpy and you know who Wimpy is? Yeah. And so, you know, he he was used for stud service. But, I mean, I you know, the, the, the horse that I always rode was a 16-hand thoroughbred. And, I mean, she was the best horse we ever had. My dad bought me, he bought me and my brother a horse uh, for graduation. And, and those people out there who understand horses are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. This horse didn't like me from the time I walked into the barn. <laughs> they, they, they are smart like that. They don't, I mean, there are certain people that horses do not like. Yeah, they know. They're, they read people really well. Yeah, and she hated my guts. And this was supposed to be my horse. And the last time I rode her, my dad, I was young. I was still young. I, I think that was my middle school graduation. Uh, the last time I rode her, he put me on, you know, put me on the horse. And she took off, and he said all I could see was uh, at the top of the hill, like a silhouette through the dust, stood up, and then fell over. Ooh. And the horse came back, and the reins were, you know, dragging on the ground. The saddle was underneath her. It was just a nightmare. And I, I never got on that horse again. She, she tried to kill me. Now, I could run, ride any other horse that we had, but the thoroughbred specifically, and then my brother's horse that he got, and never had an issue, but she hated me. 
And so um, I had learned from our veterinarian that horses are different than most animals, and they will they may not like the way you walk, the way you talk, the tone of your voice, whatever, and they just don't like you, sort of like a human. And I just never rode that horse again. She was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful quarter horse, and I just, I'm like, I'm not dying uh, because she doesn't like me. It, and that was pretty much the end of that. Well, yeah, that is how they can be. Um, they're they're funny. Um, so, and very important to be uh, respectful of them. I mean, they're not the smartest animal in the world, but they're very careful about who they allow around them. Mm -hmm. um, but at any rate, my grandfather was... He basically said, you don't wear spurs until you know how to use them. And if you know how to use them, then you don't need them. It's pretty smart. So, yeah, that, that's basically very old school. Mm -hmm. um, but true. Um, now, there are some instances that, like if you're competing, you, you really do because there are certain cues that you'll need a spur for to, um, you know, it, it's just, it, it makes your transmission in the car work better if, you know, if you signal properly. So the, the horse will know better if you know how to set it up right. Now, that can be true for roping, uh, like Peruvian Pasos, you know, I had a bunch of Peruvian Paso horses. And when you want them to alter gait slightly, speed, what have you, yeah, you're refining what you're doing. But a pleasure riding around the pasture on a trail, whatever, you don't need spurs. So it's just one of those things where all these people in movies of cowboys and everything wearing spurs, and yet yeah. no one knows how to wear it. No one knows how to use it. <laughs> right. And and a lot of times you see these spurs that are really sharp. And no one who knows how to ride uses those. Oh, they're for, they're no, always yeah. using a round tip, you yeah, know, a round sure. tip. Absolutely. So um, you know you don't want a, a sharp. You want it blunt. So, you know, anytime I see someone walking around with those star spurs with the sharp tips, I'm thinking, now I am not being, I'm not going anywhere near urban cowboy. Well, yeah, it's like, I don't need that. Now, some people are great riders who wear those, but it's exceptionally rare. As in, I can't remember the last time I saw someone wearing those spurs who knew what the hell they were doing. It's been many, many years. Mm -hmm. So that's how rare it is. So uh, at any rate, you can, you can tell a lot by what someone wears or how they wear or whatever. But um, that's, that was my lesson on spurs and horses for what it's worth. Now, what was the, what was the point again? I mean... <laughs> 
I don't know. You're the one that was making it. <laughs> well, I know, but I mean, there was, I was starting to go down this road and then you said something about something and then all of a sudden I'm like, what? Wait, huh? So well, we were, like I said, we were talking about um, government spending. Okay. Uh, taxes that we, we take in, uh, the deficit that we have, and the road that we're on, which is... Okay. Which is... Um, yeah. We're on the road to serfdom, is what uh, Hayek would say. Um, that would be a great book, too. I think I may have recommended it to you before, but uh, Friedrich Hayek, he's now dead, but he wrote uh, a number of books, but The Road to Serfdom, he wrote um, during uh, World War II. He started it, I think he wrote it from 1942 to 43 or something like that. Great book. Um, and then another one, the last book that he did was uh, a fatal conceit, basically about planned economies and how people who think government experts running a government and planning an economy is better than just allowing things to work freely. And that it, the fatal conceit is, is that no one's smart enough to think about all the iterations of a decision. And, you know, especially when you have stupid people doing the plan. And then you, I, I for some reason, thought of, of Dr. Fauci all of a sudden. Um, you know, there's the expert. You know, the whatever, 40, 50 years expert. And what a moron, you know, you get somebody who's in charge of something who's supposedly an expert, and then you combine that with a political battle, and you wind up with something that is so mismanaged that, that I think the military term is foobar. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, foobar on steroids is what we got for uh, that whole situation. But yeah, Hayek, uh, uh, amazingly on target, and yet he was always viewed as a heretic amongst economists because uh, he told the truth and he was right and they hate that. Um, so yeah, my biggest concern, regardless of how we get into this subject, is we are headed for uh, doing away with the dollar and going to digital currency. And the less people are aware of it, the easier it is going to be for it to get done. So I don't know because of, I have this internet company, I think I mentioned them called Kinetic Windstream. Is that, that like, so do you, do you have uh, satellite internet maybe? No, I, I, that's what I want. I, I need to get, I need to get all Elon's uh, system yeah. is what I really want. Um, so I think if I just call old Elon and say, um, this is on our, what's that guy's name? Oh, oh this is uh, Voldemort Helsinki. <laughs> and I, I need uh, uh, 
satellite dish <laughs> for, you know, can you send it to me um, here in the United States and Uncle Joe will bring to me? <laughs> you, know? you know, something like that. I think I'll try that. And see if I can get old Elon to send me a satellite thing. Well, from um, someone from someone who understands your pain, uh, we had satellite and dial-up. It took twenty years for uh, us to get internet where we live. So two or three years ago, we finally got fiber. Um, but we had to deal with, you know. I mean, basically, dial-up speeds for... We had... So AT&T came in, and we had uh, five megs, six. You know, and, and we just had to deal with, hey, we can't stream a whole lot. Kids can't play games very often, and if they do, it's just not very good. So, you know, now yeah. we're, now we're uh, you know... The, the the county where I live is caught up with the 21st century, so um, at least we have that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a price to pay if you want to live out where they don't have riots. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, oh. and that is what I have. Is I know, I'm in a riot-free zone, and if they did have one around here, you know. <clears throat> Try that in a small town. Yeah, the, the two neighbors that I have, each about a mile away from me on each side. Um, yeah, this is like, <laughs> really? You want to try that? Do you, do you not see the fields around here where we can put pieces of you and no, no one will yeah, ever no one find will ever you find again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Jimmy Hoff is out here in somewhere. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you just try that around here and you just see how well it goes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at any rate, the no service zone here, the no service department would be glad to let people know how this doesn't, how this system does not work. Um, but yeah, I think satellite is what I want. I used to have a satellite phone many decades ago and I just loved it. You know, I could go anywhere in the world and that thing is wonderful. I mean, I think Stay away from HughesNet. Oh, I know. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah. I mean, we even tried that. And, you know, it's just, it was no better than what we had. So, well, I, endured I, a year of, talk about no service. Uh, you know, a year's contract of that nonsense. But, I, and yeah. it's been years since we had it. Maybe it's improved. I don't know, but. You know, satellite's not that great because when you're transmitting information, you have to realize that it's going from where you're at to the satellite and then back down. So it's, you know, um, and I think Elon's idea of uh, low-level satellites is probably how he, you know, projects uh what amount of speed he's going to be able to provide people because that's the big thing with internet now or always has been, you know, how fast can we get this information yeah. to, you know? So, well, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not up to speed on any of that stuff. It's just not in my wheelhouse or nor do I want it to be, but, uh, yeah, there are certain things that 
you know, we were talking about shopping and everything, and I'm like, I don't even know how to shop. I, I just know what I want. Right. And it's hard to, harder than hell to find someone uh, as screwed up as our economy is. It ought to be really easy to find a half a dozen companies that can provide what I want. And yet there aren't any. Well, I think, of, did I, I mention how screwed up the economy is? Well, I so, think, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. And, and, well, and why we have to sit here and endure uh, lie after lie after lie. And, and I think it resonates and, and goes hand in hand with, uh, with that song. It does, yeah. Which is, uh, they, they are not in touch with what everyday normal people are having to endure. I mean, I have, I have never, you know, I've had some, some really good times when it comes to, uh, you know, money, and I've gone through some, some tough times. Um, I can tell you as a business owner that this is probably the worst year I've had. And I started my company a year before COVID hit. So I've had to endure two years of COVID and then now a horrible economy. It's not easy as a small business owner. I, I, I mean, it's me, my wife, and my son. Uh, and... Um, I have not, and neither has my wife, drawn a paycheck since I opened the company. I, it doesn't mean I'm not making money, uh, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blowing the roof off of anything. Um, I make more money being self-employed than I would be, you know, working for someone else. And I, I don't think they these people understand that. Uh, Oh, and, no. and for me to be able to expand and hire employees and, and you know, have more crews and whatever, um, you know, the economy has to be working. You know, one of the service that I offer is something that people use disposable income for. And even rich people or people that are doing pretty well are not, they don't, they have disposable income, but they don't want to spend it. Yeah, they'll look at it and say, oh, I'll wait till next year. Yeah, exactly. Or, or they'll go, man, I've lost, you know, $20,000 in my 401k. You know, the, the, real, the reality of what we're, what we're experiencing is a trillion dollars, for the first time, a trillion dollars in credit card debt. $5 trillion spent in two years by the government, $31 trillion, close to $32 trillion in debt overall, and a lack of revenue generated by the government as opposed to what they spend. And every time, every time something happens, you know, the government isn't bailing out anyone. The government doesn't have the money to bail out J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs or Ford uh, Motors. The, the public does. Our money is going to, those bailouts, is going to uh, supporting Ukraine in their, in their war against Russia. 
It's going overseas to all this other foreign aid and stuff. We foot the bill for everything. And, and this guy is trying to make everyone understand that it's not a polit- it's not a side. It's not the right, it's not the left. It's the whole it's the, the, the whole entirety of our government. I, I, would, I would say that, you know, we have three branches of government. There's not a, a single branch that's operating efficiently. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about, uh, you know, illegal immigration. Well, we need $50 billion more. Why? Why is it always we need more money? How about, how about we come with, uh, up with more ways to, like, use our brains and say we could change this, 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 and this and not spend a dime, and it'd be more effective? Well, they're not there to solve problems, though. And isn't that right? the point? Well, it is, yeah. Just like he's saying, it's not about fixing things. I think the government has, has gone into the business of creating as much chaos as they can so that they can, you know, say we need more money for this and we need more money for that. It's the only way it's going to be fixed. Yeah. Like, like you were saying earlier about, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, what's the Department of Education say? Well, we need more funding. <laughs> really? What what's money going to do to help a child write better? I think you need better teachers. I think you need better teaching tools. Uh, you know, maybe school choice. Yeah. Uh, some and other how options. About, how about reducing the curriculum until only until. Every student is proficient at it. But how about we reduce all curriculums to reading, writing, and arithmetic? Nothing else. No history. uh, Unless you're reading or writing about it. I mean, you can incorporate all other subjects into it, is my point. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, uh, Abraham Lincoln learned to read and write uh, from the Bible, reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the uh, 1800s did that. Well, I think uh, another thing... I know that, that people, people poo-poo that now, but it's kind of like, well, you know, if it works. You know, and I, I'm just saying that we only limit the curriculum until every student in the country is proficient at the curriculum. If it's, if it's six months, then fine. Um, but how about we not teach anything else in schools uh, until everyone is proficient at those three things? Well, that's a problem-solving uh, approach. It, it means getting rid of everyone who's not involved in those things. I mean, look at all the teachers. Well, and that's what I was getting ready to say, was I think we need to take a hard look at, at the teachers and... and uh... You know, be honest that some of them aren't good teachers. They're just not. I mean, if if you have a class of, I don't know, 
and, and it's gonna it's gonna differ it's gonna differ depending on where you're at for sure. Um, now I I can't really speak to being in a classroom of 200 students, but let's just say you have 200, and you're a, a English teacher, and half of your students fail. Is it because now we have to take out we have to weed through the BS here like you do everything else. Take out those that, that skip school, those that are dropping out. But, I mean, some of that responsibility lies on the shoulders of the teacher. I mean, you can't chalk it all up to, oh, it's horrible students. I mean, you have to have an honest conversation about it. And we don't, we don't tend to do that anymore in this country, have an honest conversation. And the reason yeah. is is because you, you're afraid to offend somebody. Well, I mean, well, that's what sorry about it. conferences used to be about. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you get to, well, why can't Johnny read? Well, um, and then you have a discussion about it. You know, you might agree or disagree or whatever, but that is the whole point to the teachers' conferences. Yeah, and if they're done productively, they're they're quite useful. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, you know, my parents quit going because I didn't have problems. Um, you know, you were talking about the reading thing, and in second grade, I, do you know what SRA is? Reading materials. Uh, possibly. Yeah, it, it was basically a way of gauging what level grade you're reading at. So if, if you're a little advanced and you're, let's say you're in fourth grade and you're a little bored with this subject, then, then you can get bumped on up to um, fifth grade uh, SRA materials. And it just exposes you to a little bit uh, higher level. Well, so at second grade, I'm at sixth grade. SRA. So my challenge was I was bored. I didn't have enough to challenge me. My son was the same way. Yeah, what, we've what, talked my about older it. son. Yeah, yeah uh -huh. exactly. Yeah. So the worst thing you can do if you want to hold the student back because they're too young, which you and I both were young in our classes, well, the, the trade-off is, is that if you're smart and the youngest kid in class, then all of a sudden you're going to be a behavior problem if you're held back or if I was held back. Because I would have been even more bored because here we are at doing stuff that is way too easy. It's not interesting at all. So, you know, it was... Do you have the social issue of being the youngest kid in class and it's harder to be, make friends and being the, you know, the smallest kid on the team or whatever? Or do also, you have the behavior problem? I had that same issue where I had mentioned to you that I graduated uh, uh, high school at 17. So I was on the the borderline there where I could have started a year later and I kind of wish that my parents would have done that because here I am at, you know, 
13 years old, you know, almost 14, going into high school, and I'm, I'm trying out for the football team at 90 pounds. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and one of my classmates was the same, actually happened to be my best friend, and we're still friends to this day, but he, he was in the same boat. Both of us were the youngest in, this, in the class and probably should have been a year behind. Um, we did that with my older son. Too, and I think that benefited him uh, in the long run. Well, yeah, it, it does benefit some people because instead of being the smallest kid on the team, you become the largest. And it, you know, it just becomes. But you're also um, a year less developed overall yeah. in everything. You know, I mean, a, a year. Some would argue uh, you think a year makes a huge difference. It might. Yeah. Socially, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, socially, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I had enough of a challenge with going to military schools because uh, I was going to a different school every year because we were moving. So, you know, I never knew anyone anyway. So, fortunately or unfortunately or whatever, my social skills were not nearly what they could have been if I would have been held back. And still are. You know, I'm, I'm not the most social person in the world. I, I still practice social distancing and uh, always have. And, you know, in, in school... It was like, is this guy stuck up or what, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so, because I couldn't stand being around stupid people. Mm-hmm. And I still don't. I don't tolerate it well at all. And that's just the way it is. I, I have no intention of changing. Hey, yeah, you and, and I being, are very being, similar in that aspect. Yeah, uh, being I, held I back a year wouldn't have done that at all. It wouldn't have done a thing. Well, and I mean, I graduated with 22 people. Oh, God. Yeah, I, you know, Calhan was oh. Yeah, Calhan's not a big town. It wasn't back then. And okay. so, you know, I didn't have a choice. I mean, you, they, you know, everybody in my class filled, didn't even fill up a whole classroom. And so, I mean, uh, you know, but I was still, I was still not that social, even in a small school like that. Yeah, that is really small. Well, the the graduating class, uh, my dad retired from the military and my last uh, few years of junior high and high school were in the same town in uh, South Southern Kansas City. So I went to the same three years uh, of high school uh, at the same school. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a real rarity. But yeah, there were 600 and I think 11 in my graduating class. Yeah, that's crazy. My wife is, you know, she went to school in California and I think we had. Oh, and I started school in Calhan when I was in third or fourth grade. Um, so I lived, you know, there my entire life or school life. 
anyway. And I think there was between six and 800, kindergarten through 12th grade. It was all on the same campus. Now, the buildings were separated by a little walk, you know, walkway. Um, so there was the elementary part, then there was the middle school, and then there's the high school. All three buildings on the same, you know, piece of property. Hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's changed to this day. Um, I mean, but so we had enough uh, people that went to our school to play 11-man football. And, and there's probably some people going, uh, is there any other kind? Yeah, there is. Eight-man. Uh, because a lot of the schools out there in the country don't have enough people to play 11-man. So, yeah, they're, they've been eight-man football for quite some time. Yeah. So it seems to me that the population hasn't changed. However, it could be that they just don't have enough male students that want to play football. You know, it's football's, you know, kind of been on the uh, downside for several years now, you know, based on injuries and head, head trauma and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, six to 800 kindergarten through 12th grade. Now, I think... <laughs> You know, it, it fluctuated. I think there were some classes, you know, under us or before us that had more students. But my particular high school year, uh, we had 22 or 23 tops. Uh, and that's it. And I'll be honest well, with you. I wouldn't change that for anything. Now, there was so a lot the, of... The, the was, obvious question here is, it's begging to be asked... Is of those twenty-two people in your graduating class, mm -hmm. how many were not proficient at reading, writing, and arithmetic? I I don't think anybody ever failed any <laughs> any class at all. And I mean, we had strict teachers. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, I was in band for for a year or two and uh our band teacher you know the little wands they used to conduct uh you know what's on the end of those little wands it's a, a hard nylon it's either nylon or cork and if you were acting up in his class he'd walk behind you and hit you on the top of the head with that stinking thing you know it's oh, got wow. some weight to it um we had uh, uh, our history teacher and, and uh, economics teacher. If you were talking, he'd turn around and throw either the chalkboard eraser or a piece of chalk at you, and I mean wing it. Uh, they didn't play around when I went to school, and I'll be honest with you. Some people would be like, would be like oh, my gosh, that's just, that's just uh, – Cruel and unusual punishment, right? It just made me a different person. I'm I'm not an angry individual, although I I I do have a a tendency to be uh, I have a short fuse. But I mean, it didn't turn me into a serial killer or you know or anything like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to tell you I mentioned once and this is kind of off the subject but i had mentioned to you that uh that we had done some campaigning uh 
So what we did was we stuffed envelopes for uh, uh, someone running for Congress. It was Ken Kramer. Really? Yeah. Our teacher was, our history and economics teacher was friends with him. And as a school project in his class, we stuffed campaign letters. I, now, I, I, I don't know that <laughs> that's necessarily okay because, you know, he was obviously a Republican, but, you know, that shows some bias. But, I, I mean, it, it was something that we learned about, you know, how to campaign. And, um, and I think he, so he was the history, the economics, and the civics teacher. That, were, that's, that was his three. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, I mentioned that before, but I couldn't remember, and I, I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy, I'm OCD like that, and it turned out it was Ken Kramer. And he was actually um, he was a, a member of the House from 79 to 87. Uh, but it was kind of cool because, I mean, he was teaching us about the process and then, you know, what they do to... to some of the things they do to get people to vote for them and stuff. And, and I, I still get uh, letters from candidates and introducing themselves and what they stand for and what party they belong to and all that other stuff. So it's just an interesting story. Well, yeah. I got, I got uh, uh, something from a congressman the day after the debate with, you know, these clowns with the Republican Party. Uh-huh. And I won't be getting any more from next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've gotten some text messages. I, you know, strangely, strangely enough, from California. And uh, I don't technically consider California part of the United States anymore. Um, I just don't. I think they're uh, they're way beyond the. I don't know the the normalcy of society. Yeah, a bunch of them have moved here. Well, so uh, interestingly enough, um, and I hate to switch the subject, but since we're on the topic of California, there is a new uh, a new proposed tax in California. Um. <clears throat> if passed by the uh, legislature, and then I know the governor, you know, Gavin Newsom will sign it. Uh, residents in California would soon be required to pay an 11% tax on guns and ammunition. So the gun and ammunition tax bill, known as AB 28, was cleared by the Senate Public Safety Committee. So it would be added to the 10 to 11% federal tax that is currently set on all firearm and ammunition purchases throughout the country. So they're, they're, they're <clears throat> trying to implement another 11%. And that includes firearms, ammunition, um, and then it's supposed to be... <laughs> 
the money's supposed to be used for wildlife con conservation. And let me assure you people, if you're listening from California, that whatever the government says, you can ex uh, expect the opposite, and that money will not go to wildlife conservation. Um, they've tried to do this uh, at least six times over the past decade. Yeah, what it really does is it it's low-life preservation. Yeah, and this this affects uh, manufacturers, dealers, and vendors. So it's not like specific to any. I mean, it's it's except for the you know private sale. Um, but uh, you know, I think that 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 could be challenged and and found to be trying to circumvent the Second Amendment. Uh, well, yeah, they're trying to make it. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to make it difficult for you to buy guns and ammunition. Well, that's the same thing as banning them. I mean, you know, in, in the in the name of generating revenue, you have to give up your right to be able to afford to to purchase a, a weapon or ammunition for that weapon. But they go, this is where they go every mm -hmm. single time, right? Yeah. Um, kids' safety in school. So raising the tax rate is going to stop the cycles of violence in the community. Really? Really? Yeah, how's, how's that going to work? Show me where it's worked somewhere. I mean, yeah. it hasn't. If you want to well, protect uh, students, of course it hasn't. If you yeah. want to protect, this is the thing. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You want to have a serious conversation about it, we can. So instead of saying, um, you know, uh, you legal responsible gun owners, we're just going to tax the hell out of you so you can't own or, or you know, afford the ammunition or whatever weapons you do uh, possess. Instead of that, we, we, could, we could easily hire some retired police officers, maybe some homeless veterans, and they could have a job so they wouldn't be homeless anymore because God knows California has more than enough homeless people um, and, and have them, you know, stand in in front of the schools and around the schools to help protect children, your answer is tax people more money? I mean, get the hell out of here. It's not serious. It's not serious. So I just the, only, the only benefit to that is the people involved in the process have more money. Well, so I think, you know, I think what, what the government has done or is, is doing and has done is that they're not, they're not talking about serious issues like this. And when they do, they have some off-the-wall cockamamie solution to it. Um, they're distracting people with other stuff. 
like the culture, yeah. the culture war. Yeah, if you're going to do a cost-benefit analysis on these sorts of things, there has to be a benefit to the cost. And if there's no benefit to the cost, and you can't measure it, then you don't have something that will withstand any kind of scrutiny. But you can't run a business that way. Uh, you can't run anything that's accountable that way. There's no business on the planet op in operation today that's $32 trillion in debt. Exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to... It's, gonna, like, it's so, not even possible. Well, they complain because their credit rating was lowered. Well, if, if there's a business out there that's $500 million in, credit, uh, in debt, they're probably not going to be advanced any more money. I don't know what the threshold is, but I'm telling you that there's no business out there that is in, that is in so much debt can go to any lender and they go, yeah, we'll give you more money. Let alone being 32 to 33 trillion in debt. Yeah. So, so how is that unfair for, for uh, Moody's or Fitch to lower their credit rating? It's not unfair. As a matter of fact, they probably should have lowered it more. Oh, for sure. Because, yeah. because like you said earlier, the crash of the dollar is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah, and honestly, I think it's already happened. Well, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, I saw a sh uh, sh just a short, um, you know, in passing where... Uh, some world world leaders have gotten together. Some, I mean, Middle East and and China and some other people have gotten together to create a world currency that undermines the, you know, takes away the the economic power of the United States. Mm -hmm. And and these people aren't addressing that. I mean, we have we're we're in some really desperate. We're in some dire straits in this country. And, and I don't think the government is being open and honest with the people of how dire our situation is. Because they are throwing these other distractions at us. Mm -hmm. uh, Denver City Council settles a Black, uh, matter, uh, Black Lives Matter lawsuit for $4.72 million dollars. City council isn't paying that. The government isn't paying that. But the citizens who are at home not rioting and not looting and not stealing and not setting fires are the ones that are paying for it. Yeah. So Until they, they put a stop to it. Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was a... Uh, what's today's date? 28th. Are you sure? Oh, it's the 29th. It is? Yeah, this article came out today. Oh. And uh, so the, the city council approved a $4.72 million settlement um, with claimants that alleged that the Denver Police Department violated their first, fourth, and 14th amendments in the, in the suit. They had previously settled the lawsuit for $1.6 to seven protest, 
protesters injured during the George Floyd protests. Um, they, uh, so here, here's the craziness beyond just the money. The settlement prevents the city from enacting any curfew enforced against those engaged in protest activity in the future. Wait a minute. They keep using, and, and this is USA Today, by the way. They keep using the word protests. But if you talk to some of these people, oh, it wasn't a protest. It was a, it was a peaceful demonstration. So aren't they admitting, aren't they saying the exact opposite of what they've been saying since this uh, you know, these protests occurred. But the city is basically saying, okay, you can protest and you can, you know, set things on fire. We're not going to do anything to you. So once again, I think this is the government using the Constitution when it fits their narrative. And sure. in shirking... Uh, the Constitution when it doesn't. I mean, I, I would venture to guess that if you were to walk up to the members of the Denver City Council and ask them what the first five amendments in the Constitution were, and you don't have to, you know, uh, repeat them verbatim, just tell me what they are. They probably don't know. Oh, no. Uh -oh. No. But they, they said that this was a win, uh, you know, a win that will protect free speech in Denver for years to come. <laughs> you don't even understand what that means. No. It, listen, that, the riots aren't about free speech. If they were walking down the road with signs, and even if they had cuss words on them or whatever, that's speech. That's free speech. That's the right to assemble. But when you're talking about violence, like throwing objects and bricks and frozen bottled water at police officers and burning buildings and businesses, that's not First Amendment. That's not, that's not free speech. That's not a, a, a peaceful assembly. They're, they're wanting it to be. So that when, when the, the left doesn't get their way, guess what they get to do? They get to go out and destroy shit. Yeah. And, and have an excuse for it. Well, it's, it's our First Amendment right. And yet, and yet the so-called right-wingers don't do the same thing. No, because if they do, they end up in, in jail for uh, insurrection and, and other bullshit. Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen when, when and if Donald Trump wins in 2024? Are we going to see cities burning and, and buildings looted again? And that's okay because they're just expressing their free speech? I think there's a huge difference between free speech and destruction. Yeah. And causing injury to law enforcement. Where's, where's the settlement for the officers that were 
injured during the riots? Where, where's their money at? And I'm not saying that I'm not saying they deserve it. I'm just pointing. I'm just pointing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can't have it one way and not the other. Well, except their union is actually backing the so-called protesters. It's like they've been backing the, the Democrats. It's like Mr. Um, Dorn, who was who was shot and killed. Yeah. Uh, and and it was live streamed on Facebook. And people were over his body laughing as he's bleeding out. Where, where's the money? Where's his, where's his uh, family's settlement? Where's Ashley yep. Babbitt's family's settlement? She was unarmed. Unarmed. Yep. In the people's house. She was a threat? She was enough threat for a Capitol Police officer who, by the way, just got promoted. She was enough of a threat for him to shoot her in cold blood and die right in front of all those people. Yeah. What, what was yeah. the threat? What was the immediate threat that she posed? Well, I saw it happen, and I didn't see any threat at all. I saw an arbitrary act. It didn't look like it needed to happen. And I still think that's what happened. But you can't, you're not allowed to say that because it counters the narrative. So, yeah, and the thing is, is that is not applied equally. You know, if you're going to have laws that you only partially enforced and partially enforced them the same way with everyone or don't have them at all well yeah so that so so i agree if if tomorrow a bunch of conservatives you know i don't know went into whatever city and they started you know walking down the street and then you know, started to light things on fire, turn cars over. Are they going to jail? Or is that a peaceful protest? And is that a First Amendment protected right to be able to do that? And they said, mm-hmm. I don't know, they set a Starbucks on fire. Um, they went into a Nike store and, and looted all the shoes because everybody needs shoes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's all these clothing and, and jewelry stores that are getting... Uh, you know, these mob robberies happening to them. You, you know, that's the important things in life. I need six pairs of Nikes. Yeah. To, to show my anger over someone being shot and killed. Yeah. I mean, that's my reparations. Six pairs of Nikes and uh, five shirts from Target and uh, two tennis bracelets from the diamond store. Mm-hmm. Now I feel better about it. Well, I'd like to have <laughs> I mean, it. I think I, I'm going to hold out to get a partridge in a pear tree, too. <laughs> I just, I don't. So, so this isn't the only city uh, that's doing this. Uh, New Jersey Superior Court judge allowed a freedom of speech lawsuit against Patterson, New Jersey, 
and its police department to proceed. As reported by the Patterson Press, a part of the USA Today network, uh, the lawsuit was filed by Black Lives Matter leaders arrested during a January 19th protest over Jameek Lowry's death. I don't know the I don't know the what the protesters did. Um, but it's another form of rewarding the criminal. Potential criminals. I don't want to label everybody. Um, because I don't think everybody during the riots did those things. I think someone there, some, some were there, and what they felt was the right thing to do and had, you know, some grievances um, that they wanted to be heard. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, I heard a bunch of them yell and burn this place to the ground. Yeah, I mean, so... Obviously, there was. I, there, there, I, you can't debate that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think everyone participated in the looting and the rioting and the burning and, you know, spitting in cops' faces and throwing, you know, bricks and all that other stuff. I, I just don't think that most normal people don't act that way, regardless of how pissed they are. Well, I guess we would know if they would have had uh, arrests and trials. But because they chose not to do that, then we didn't have arrests and trials to find out if there was anyone there genuinely peacefully protesting. But it gets better. Oh. So in 2022, the federal government partially settled lawsuits with Black Lives Matter protesters that were cleared from Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. In the settlement, the government accepted limits on the force and practices U.S. Park police officers can use on protesters. So in, in um, Austin, the uh, police department suspended the use of less lethal shotguns. Um... So you're 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 taking tools away from law enforcement and still expect them to uphold laws. Yeah, how does that protect the police officers? Well, not only does it not, but it protects innocent people in the vicinity. I mean, it, if you're not going to give the police officers the right to, uh, you know, enforce the law, then it makes everybody in the area susceptible to violence. And I think you could go and, and, and personally interview some of the business owners that are a victim of that. Or, or some people that lived in, in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, because they... Uh, in the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, they were starting trailers and cars and, and everything on fire. What, what does that have to do with... Uh, is that... What, what does that have to do with a grievance? 
did the, did the car do something to you? Did that trailer do something to you? Did that person's home or that person's business do something to you personally that, okay, my grievance is, um, you know, a man was killed. The, the circumstances are questionable and, and the police officer and officers involved are, you know, possible criminals. So I'm just going to go burn down this business because that's the right thing to do. Who thinks like that? Yeah, you see, I think that that's where the um, so-called right wing is missing the boat here because shouldn't they be having some trial peaceful protests? Like just picking, uh, well, the Ashley Babbitt protests. Okay, how about the right wing people do Ashley Babbitt protests um, nationwide? And they use the same things like the George Floyd um, peaceful protesters did. And they use the same, everything is the same. And the right wingers do that so that just they get a feel for what these peaceful protests are like, so they'll know how to, you know, they'll be prepared about how to peacefully protest in the future. So let's just pick, oh, I don't know, let's say 25 cities that they get to have um, Ashley Babbitt Memorial Peaceful Protest Day, and right-wingers from wherever get to go and do that at these 25 cities. And they just get to go do nothing, nothing violent or destructive, destructive or anything. They just do the exact same things that the Black Lives Don't Matter people did. So that, you know, they're equally nonviolent and equally protest the same way. So that they get a feel for what it's like instead of just sitting around and, and being a white supremacist. You know, they can just get out there and, and be productive. You know, they can not be a white supremacist and they can be just like the BLM. And they, they'll, they just have to protest the exact same way so that they're not being, you know, taking advantage of the system with their whiteness or anything or blackness or Mexican-ness, or whatever, I don't know. Or Asian-ness, you know, there could be some Asian people who are, are right-wingers, I don't know. I, I think there's, yeah, probably a lot of them, actually. But yet, they're also white supremacists, so I haven't quite figured that out. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, how about you just have an equity, equity protests, so that these you know, these right-wingers can learn how to protest equitably. And they just use the BLM as a model on how to do things because they're obviously so good at it and they didn't cause any violence or anything. I mean, just an idea. I mean, how about we just go out and organize the Ashley Babbitt Day to have peaceful protests? I mean, would that 
You suppose that would it'd be uh, a great it'd be a great idea, but I I just don't see conservatives and and well, I don't see Republicans having any interest in that. Well, maybe they're maybe we just have Americans you, participate. That that means that Republicans don't even have to be involved. Can you visualize that Republicans and conservatives have been duped for so long that they just they just don't have any interest in these type of things? I mean, I mentioned the, the congressman from Colorado. Uh, you mentioned his name on this show before. I uh, I don't remember what. His oh, first name. Buck is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Buck. Buck. Who demanded that you know Republicans stand down when it comes to the whole Trump thing and and all this other you know this other stuff? What do you mean stand down? We've been standing down, and I don't know if I told you about this. Maybe I didn't. Uh, but he put a call out for, for all Republicans and conservatives to stand down. I haven't seen anyone stand up. <laughs> I, I, I guess he's anticipating that Trump's going to be found guilty on, on some of these charges or, you know, the, the, the trial date has been sent in the Washington, D.C. Uh, documents trial. It's the day before Super Tuesday. The day before. <laughs> Here's the crazy part. Uh, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor in this case, turned over 12 and a half million documents, exculpatory evidence, to Trump's defense team. The judge thinks that they should be able to go through all of that evidence within six months. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if anyone is capable of imagining what 12 and a half million pages of documents consists of. But if you take a look at, like, maybe the the... Obamacare bill that they had to wheel out in a wheelbarrow because it was so big. And let me assure you that none of the people in Congress had the smarts to write that many pages. Um, forget about it. But anyway, 12 and a half million documents. They're giving them six months. You can't set up a defense when it comes to this type of a case in six months. It's just not, it's not feasible. So all of these things we've talked about, the spending, the amount of revenue that, that is brought in, the, the song that uh, we played at the beginning, the 5,400 pseudonyms, uh, the, the BLM settlements, that's your government at work. None of it is none of it is efficient. Yeah, not one of the not one item you mentioned fixes a single pothole. Exactly, it just you know? adds more and more to the chaos and to yeah. and to the 
the the the crap that that young man was singing about in his song, shit pay and and worried about having you know how you're going to feed your family, uh, how you're going to pay your bills, and all those people, the rich men north of Richmond, they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's not a single congressman or woman or or a single Supreme Court justice or a single employee in the White House that has to worry about how much their groceries cost, how much their insurance is for their car or whatever, how they're going to feed their children. Not, not a single one. And that well, goes, that go that can go as far as the rank and file the the upstanding rank and file of the DOJ and and all the three letter agencies and and specifically the Pentagon. Those people don't have any worries. The government spoon feeds them every day. Yeah. Well, the the worst thing about everything that you've mentioned is that they don't care about the people who do have words. You know, even, even though they say they do, they don't. You know, they, regardless of who they are, if it's a Republican, they don't care about how Republicans are suffering. They don't care how Democrats are suffering. If it's a Democrat, they don't care how Democrats are suffering, and they don't care how Republicans are suffering. They just don't give a shit. No. That's basically what his message is, and I completely agree with it. So those of us like me who are not a member of any political party, um, you know, I, I'm just I'm just tired of hearing the bipolar of RRD, RRD, when I'm not either one and I don't give a crap about either one. Mm -hmm. You know, um, all I really, I, I know I keep saying it, but just fix the potholes. You know, why do we have a government that's involved in more than fixing potholes? So if that's the, that also leads to $30 trillion deficits. When the government has to be involved in every little thing. Right. You know, and, and that was basically my point about Biden on uh, Lahaina. Is that I don't give a crap what he thinks about Lahaina. I mean, I see why people would be upset or not upset. But why do I give a crap about what a president says about how uh, a small town in Hawaii burned to the ground? That, that's the last thing I give a crap about. Now, I give a crap about the people who live there, who, who own a home there, or a business, or one of those. I, I still can't believe that there's 800 people missing. I mean, my God, I, I care about them and their opinions, their family's opinions. But I don't give a crap about the president's opinion about that. I just, I just don't. I mean, he can be the most compassionate person in the world or whatever. Fine. Write a check. 
You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't, I don't need to hear about it. I don't need to, you know, the press is always, well, what are your thoughts about blah, 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 blah. You know? I don't give a shit. Well, that's one thing I have to, I have to, uh, just, I have to comment on. <laughs> the, of course. The, the press, the press has become the frontline defense of the government on both sides. Yeah. The bickering and the the whataboutisms and the they they he said she said and all of the the childhood nonsense that those people talk about and and what they think is a news story. It's just embarrassing. Um, I'm embarrassed by some of the so-called experts and people that go on these shows and and the the, the hosts of them. Do you do you watch a replay of what you talked about? I mean, it, it's literally childish. Um, and then you know some of the things that the the way far left or far right things that these people talk about. I mean, we have gotten to a point where, where we get our news from the likes of Joy Reid, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, Trevor Noah, Bill Maher. Um, the list is, is just too long to go through. And none of these people have any real-life experience. They're, they're like the Washington elitists, that, that they live in their own little worlds. You know, you don't see them walking down the street every day and, you know, going into a, you know, a, a subway or whatever. You know, they live in their posh hotel or... Uh, you know, uh, studios and and uh, high-rise apartment complexes where they pay, you know, $12,000 a month for rent. It's like that guy said earlier, uh, Peter Ducey said, Hunter Biden's $18,000 a month rent? What? I don't know anybody that can afford $18,000 a month in rent. I don't know a single person. That's who they are. And if anyone thinks that they're, they relate to you or your problems or what you deal with on a daily basis, listen to that song again. Yeah. But yet here we are, here we are talking about this, and, and it, here's what the president's concerned about. Uh, he announced his intentions to ask Congress for increased funding to, de to develop an updated COVID-19 vaccine for, quote, everybody. Wow. Why is that even a priority? I, I, I don't know. But why is the government, why is the government funding that? You know, most medicines are not funded by the government. Most medicines are funded by yeah. the pharmaceutical industry yeah. and scientists. They, you know, 
they may get some private funding or whatever, but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be using our money, the taxpayer money, to subsidize all of this crap. Well, this uh, is not uh, the government's role. And shielding them from lawsuits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Unconstitutional. Yeah. Just throw that in the mix as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not the government's role. It, it, it is to protect the people. But they're not in the pharmacy business. They're not in the, in the business of developing vaccines. Yeah, that's all, I think, uh, a part of the whole pretend that there was really a thing. Pretend COVID was really a thing. Keep the charade going. That's all that is. You know, they're, they just want to pretend they never overreacted. They never caused a big problem. They never funded something they never sh should have been funding in the first place. Well, they funded the, the, the research and development of potentially of the virus to begin with. So why, well, you know, maybe uh -huh. they feel guilty and they feel that they should fund the, uh, the process to find a cure for the uh, <laughs> the virus that they developed in the first place. Yeah, it'd be nice if they would admit that. I mean, at least that's a feasibly believable thing. So yeah. here's the crazy part. Let, let me tell you what he said. So, quote, I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to Congress, a request for additional funding for a new vaccine that is necessary, that works adding that once the new vaccine is ready, it would be tentatively recommended that everyone, everybody get it. Um, so this is supposed to be targeted uh, at a new strain. <laughs> the Andromeda strain? Yeah, and the, the, the proposed vaccines would differ from the uh, present combination of shots that they... <laughs> Already developed. Are they implying that it would be a real vaccine this time? Uh, you know, I guess. Yeah, not that I'm being cynical or anything, but yeah, I'm being cynical. Yeah. Can't help it. I don't believe a thing these people said. No, and, and it's Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax, the same companies that made billions and billions and billions of dollars off of the COVID-19 overreaction. And guess what? Those are the same companies that donate to what? Political campaigns. Yep. How about, how about we uh, get that Russian pharmaceutical company to do it instead? You know? How about we give them a try? Just saying. So last year he tried to do something similar, and uh, Congress declined a not a request for nine point two five billion with a B. Yeah. To counter the virus. Nine of them. Oh, yeah. And saying to me, I, I just don't understand how anyone, 
again, like we had mentioned before, just worships these people to the point where they're they're willing to riot and protest and you know risk their lives mm-hmm. to advance a, a a political agenda. Everything's politicized to the point where, I mean. I'm not willing to die. Like my my mother-in-law said, she she said to me, you love Trump. And I, I'm like, I don't love Trump. I don't love any politician. I mean, especially people I don't know. I don't love people I don't know. Yeah. I agree with him on a lot of things. But agreement and love are not even, they're not even in the same category. Come on. Yeah. You know, that's just your way of, uh, you know, taking things to a level that (laughs) makes no sense to, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's nonsensical. He's dismissing the idea that there's some other point of view than hers. Yeah, because she's Even not. Even knows nothing about it. Well, she's not a Joe Biden fan. Well, so you know, I'm like, then what? What? What's your stance on anything? I mean, I'm not. I'm not anti-government. If I was anti-government, that would include. Donald Trump or you know good people that are that are in government because there are some good people in government. Oh, the vast majority of them. Oh, are. that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you and I both know that. Uh, but I am anti-stupidity and and you know anti-extremism. I'm anti, you You have the power to do whatever it is you want to do. Damn your constituency. I'm just, that's what I'm anti. I'm anti-establishment. You know, if you're a jerkwater asshole, you need to go home. I don't care what side of the aisle you, you come from. Yeah, unless you're representing your constituency. You know, I mean, there there are real assholes in the world. I can be one sometimes. But you know, if I'm if I'm doing what I'm there, no, to do, and you know what I mean, though. I'm I I'm, well, I know, yeah, I, I I just know that you you know an awful lot of people, the the left-handed thinkers, leftists. Are, are so into personalities mm-hmm. of, oh, so-and-so is so bad. You know, like, oh, you, you know, people you are in support of aren't, you know, but like Biden isn't, Biden's not a crotch grabber, really? Seriously, you really believe that? So, oh, no, they just, they, they just don't, that doesn't bother them, mm-hmm. but it does if someone else is accused of it, well, you know, that just tells me you're not serious, that you're not honest, that you're, you really don't care. 
you're just grasping at straws to poo-poo someone else. And yet you also have no knowledge of the subject matter either because you don't have any views of your own that you've come up with. You just parrot what everyone else says. So, but if there's someone there and I disagree with them, but by golly, the, the people they represent, uh, that's their view on stuff. Well, okay. Have to respect that. But like you've said, and I have said too, almost no one in Congress does that. They, they forgot about the constituency after their first year in office. Yeah, um, I wanted to, to get into one other subject, but we're at that time, so I'll save it for the next time. Okay. Um, but I want to play... Uh, I want to play... Uh, A little bit of this uh I play a little bit of Oliver Anthony, uh different song that he that he uh came out with at the close of the show here. So um I guess that'll wrap it up for another episode. Oh. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> uh, everybody should go check out Oliver Anthony. I know he's he's pretty much viral now, and you know, um, probably wasn't expecting the reaction that he got regarding this song. But I think there's a lot of people that feel exactly what you and I have talked about this whole episode, which is what we've talked about for a long time: uh, not having a representative government. On, on either side. Yeah. You know, one, one, one side, which is the left, um, you know, does a lot of things they shouldn't do, and, and the other side reacts with a lot of talk about stopping what the other side is doing, and, and vice versa. It's almost like a game. Mm -hmm. It's like a game of battleship. Uh, and and where the where are the ships? <laughs> where are the ones that are sinking? Well, so see, uh, they need more money to buy more ships. Yeah, and they'll they'll call on the ones that they treat the worst to give it to them. So today is Tuesday the 29th. We will be back Thursday. Uh, but we'll we'll close with a little bit of this song here. If it weren't for my whole dogs and the good Lord, they'd have me strung up in the psych ward. Cause every day living in this new world is one too many days to me. Son, we're on the brink of the next world war, and I don't think nobody's praying no more, and I ain't. Saying I know it for sure I'm just 
down on my knees Begging the Lord take me home I want to go home I don't know which road to go It's been so long I just know I didn't used to wake up Feeling this way Cussing myself every damn day There's always some kind of bill to pay People just doing what the rich man say I want to go home All right, thanks for joining us on Inquiry into Freedom, and we'll see you Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye.